And welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, episode number 86. Keith Archer of all things Giants joins me now. We're going to talk about Rob Sale, the new offensive line coach for the New York Giants. We're going to talk about the tackle position and the center position, two key positions when it comes to the offensive line, two key debate positions. Keith, how are you doing today? And how did you feel since you were on my Super Bowl stream? Were you just bored with the second half of the game? Because it seemed like it was such overhype from the beginning and then now we didn't get a great result from Patrick Mahomes and actually uh before I let you get your thoughts in the last time that the Chiefs did not score a touchdown in the game was against the Giants in 2017. Yeah I did see that stack pop up a couple times and I'm doing great I had a great time in the uh when we did our little podcast before the Super Bowl gave me something to do and I enjoyed meeting a lot of the guys uh the second half, I kind of bet on the Chiefs, so I was kind of hoping Mahomes could pull one of his comebacks, but just due to the pressure and how bad their O-line was playing, I, I gave up toward the end of the third quarter, and I was just talking with a couple of buddies I had in my house, and we were just talking about the game. We didn't really watch the end because it was nothing to watch. And we did talk about uh, a little bit. I don't know who remarked on it in our stream. The fact that uh... – they were uh, playing with backup tackles. Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz were out, so Mike Remmers and Andrew Wiley on the tackle sides. And I think it was actually you who said they should go tackle at 31 or 32. So mm-hmm. I guess that, you know, obviously, yeah, they do have Pro Bowl good tackles, but, you know, you could add some depth in there, maybe some defense. Um, but obviously that's later on because we have to see what free agency brings. But let's get into some Giants topics. So the Giants hired – Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Rob Sale to be their offensive line coach. This one kind of was out of the blue for me, at least, because I was expecting someone more NFL, someone actually maybe, on the other hand, more, I would say, not coming from the Ragin' Cajuns, but like someone from the SEC or something like that, like a bigger school. Um, But definitely his resume is impressive. He was with Joe Judge at Alabama for about four years, I want to say. Um, as I said, he's the offensive coordinator or was for the raging cages. We'll go over those stats in a minute, but he was with Billy Napier at Arizona state before they went over to the raging Cajuns. Here are his stats. When he was the offensive coordinator, uh, 31.9 points per game for 427.6 yards of total offense per game, 247.7 passing yards per game and 179 rushing yards per game. Um, so it seems like despite whether he was in a small school or a big school, he had success wherever he went, whether it was under Napier or under somebody else. So from 2020, obviously, as I said, he's the offensive coordinator. His team, being the Raging Cajuns, fifth in the Sun Belt Conference in total yards per game, eighth in passing yards per game, uh, fourth in rushing yards per game, and third in points per game, nine sacks allowed, which was the best among Sun Belt teams. They were seven and one. And also to note upon that, uh, Robert Hunt, he was drafted in the second round by the Miami Dolphins last year. And Kevin Dotson was drafted in the fourth round by the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. And Elijah Mitchell, the running back from the Raging Cajuns, is expected to be in the 2021 NFL draft is probably a late round selection. Also, Raymond Calais was selected by the Bucks in the seventh round of the draft. I think he's now with the Rams. So did this catch you by surprise not being somebody from the NFL or a bigger school what's your overall thoughts on the hiring uh no it didn't really I'm not gonna say it didn't surprise me but when looking at the names that was that were brought up I saw his name a a good amount so I didn't really catch me off guard 
And like you said, he had previous ties with Joe Judge. But um, Bobby on uh, Talking Giants brought up a great point about, like you said, he, like Joe Judge talks about how getting guys from the college level is better. And he said that because college, college coaches have to, you know, every guy that they bring in is a prospect. He, they're a project that they have to work on. So bringing a guy from college, he understands, he has a mentality that everybody he coaches is a project and they have to work on them day in and day out. So I'm actually, I, I like the hire. And like you said, they only allowed nine sacks. And I think the fourth round selection that the Steelers had, I think you said his name was Kevin Hunt. I Kevin saw Dotson. It, oh, Dotson, yeah. His name popped up a lot. And people said he was a very good uh, O-lineman this year. So I personally think this is a really good hire. Uh, what Joe Judge believes in, I believe in. He's shown me that his hires have been pretty good. With uh, Jason Garrett really wasn't his hire. So I won't count that, but Patrick Graham was his hire. So I, I'm excited to see what he does with the O-line. Andrew Thomas started playing better toward the end of the season, although he had a bad ankle, which was pretty impressive. So I'm excited to see what he can do with the uh, offensive line. Definitely. And Joe Judge, um, something something's interesting. I'm going to pull this up in a minute. Um, he said he wanted teachers. Rob Sale is a teacher. And um, good point to bring up that you were talking about projects and everything and prospects and all that stuff is that college coaches have an advantage when it comes to scouting college prospects. They're in that level. So they know it's kind of like being on the same team as somebody and, you know, knowing if this guy's good or if he's not good. Now, the thing that caught me by surprise when um, I was on Twitter this morning, this guy said that in one of Rob sales press conferences, he said that he does not like to rotate offensive linemen. He wants the best five to play, which is kind of different from what the Giants did this season. And it's going to be interesting. Is it going to be Joe Judge's way of doing things? Or is it going to be um, Rob Sale's way of doing things? Because we rotated linemen with Mark Colombo. We know that he didn't do that in Dallas. We know Dave DeGuglielmo, the interim offensive line coach towards the end of the season, he did that. And he was a fan of that in New England. So that's where Joe Judge got it from. So it's going to be interesting to see how um how it really goes this season but you know whether it's rotating or whether it's not rotating offensive linemen this unit has to improve and you have a lot of young guys you could be going out there and getting a free agent who knows maybe draft pick but anyway they have to protect Daniel Jones and they have to give Saquon Barkley running room so that's going to be key so let's go into the tackle position but just going to label out some key names in the tackle and center positions Cameron Fleming Matt Parrott Andrew Thomas Nate Solder Jackson Barton Nick Gates and Jonathan Harrison, Spencer Pulley as well. So, obviously, it was rumored today uh, per SNY that the Giants expect Nate Solder to retire. And I understand that line of thinking, but at the same time, you shouldn't be betting on it and placing all your cards on the table on that certain aspect. Because if he doesn't retire, you're going to have to cut him and it will be $10 million dead cap, $6 million saved. So, you basically got negative $4 million, but at the same time, you know, you save what you can save. Um, I think that they should. They, I think that they should still go out there and you know just in case cut him, because I think even if he retires, I think it's going to be the same result. What do you think about that? And how do you think the Giants should approach it? Uh, personally, I think Nate Solder he opted out last year, and the year he did play with us, he didn't play at a top tier level. So with his dealing with his contract. 
we might as well just get it out while we can and head into free agency knowing if, like you said, they like to re rotate linemen. So we know he won't be here and he's not in our future plan. So we might as well get him out while we can do what we have to do when it comes to the money and just go into free agency understanding that we have to, if, if we don't, we're not trying to find starters, we have to find rotational guys who we can put in and step in and instead of delaying whether we're going to keep him, let him retire or release him into the draft or next season. And then he ends up retiring and we're left with nothing to do. So I just think you get ahead of it. You let him go and you deal with that contract nonsense right now. And before free agency begins. Now I know obviously a lot of fans bring this up that post June 1st, they saved like 11 million. What's mm -hmm. the point of having it post June 1st when literally the draft and free agency is before that. And even when you make your cuts, so just get it out with, uh, get it over with and move on from the guy. He retires. That's his decision after the giants cut him. That's just my personal opinion. And I know that you agree with me there. Uh, let's go over the stats for 2021 and what the offensive tackles did. I'm not counting Nick Gates. Obviously he was the starter at center. So Andrew Thomas, he had a tough start to the season, 10 sacks, nine quarterback hits allowed, 41 pressures. He had 15 starts in 16 games. Notice the little uh, space in between there was because Joe Judge uh, technically benched him for, I think it was a quarter or half a quarter because he didn't arrive to a meeting on time. And I don't know if they find him, but at the same time, they benched him. And Matt Parrott started left tackle week six against the Washington football team. Speaking of Parrott, Two sacks, two quarterback hits allowed, five pressures, one start in 11 games. Uh, I don't think he was inactive for any, but the games that he, you know, was not playing right tackle, left tackle, whatever, he was on special teams. Um, towards the end of the season, he really did start to struggle. I mean, you saw more snaps, so that's where you're going to see it. A little bit against Arizona because Daniel Jones was, you know, half healthy, not even. He was hobbling around. And Parrott gave up a quarterback hit and I think a forced fumble there that Daniel Jones recovered. And then you look at what they did against Baltimore. They were totally outplayed. They were totally outcoached. They were totally outschemed. And Parrott was one of the guys that struggled that game. Now you move on to the other right tackle, Cameron Fleming. And this guy, and I'll make comments on him in just a minute, he was not expected to start because Solder opted out. The things would have gone normally, you would have had Solder at left tackle and Andrew Thomas at right tackle, rotate Matt Paired in, and if injuries happened, Cameron Fleming. But he gave up six sacks and 35 quarterback pressures. And I'll let you state your thoughts on the tackle position before I go into what the Giants could do and should do, in my opinion. Uh, Yeah, like uh, the Giants this year, were they had the highest or the lowest team pass block win rate. And that's just that that's not something you can have. Like you have to fix that. I, I think it was because of the rotation and like I'm not a big fan of the rotation with when it came to the O line. I, it kind of caught me by surprise. This is my first year seeing it with the Giant with the Giants doing it. I know it's Joe Judge's first year, but I personally I did not like Cameron filming at all this year. I, I thought he just he causes way too many penalties and he just got beat a lot. I I like I like Pert. I know he was young, but I would have rather just have two rookie tackles and just let them get the experience then instead of switching them in and out. And I, I I'm not gonna say it's a major reason, but a piece of of why I think Pert's game started to show a little bit of struggles. Like you said, he got a 
increase of playing time, but he also did miss a couple games with COVID. So I think that took a toll on him, like as a person and when it came to football. So with when it comes to the tackle position, I, I do believe in Andrew Thomas. I know he didn't have a year like Tristan Wirfs did, but I still think he can be a solid left tackle. I don't think this is a case of Eric Flowers. I think we found our left tackle to watch Jones's blind side. And I, I think, I, I still think you go out and get somebody in free agency or even you re-sign, to, re-sign Fleming to a lower end deal and you start Pert. And then if, like you said, injuries happen, then that's when he comes in. But I don't believe he should be a starter any point of the season. I, I think you go with the two young tackles. So I do agree with you on Cam Fleming. Um, even though people are going to come out there and just for argument's sake, will say, oh, you know, $4 million deal in one year. You know, he wasn't paid like, you know, a rookie contract where it's going to extend. You know what? Let's cut the bait out. Let's cut the bull crap out right now. Cameron Fleming, in my opinion, did not play well. Um, put away the contract. You need production on the field, whatever price it could be. And you could debate contract. You could debate that stuff later. Six sacks and 35 quarterback pressures. As a veteran, you have to upgrade your play, A, because you have a second-year quarterback, and B, and B, you're getting put in a starter position. I think the Giants should have re-signed Mike Remmers in free agency, but at the same time, we saw what he did in the Super Bowl. He wasn't very good against Jason Pierre-Paul. At all. And we saw that. So my thinking, and I do agree that, you know, tackle on free agency, tackle on the draft could be possible for, you know, possibility, but let's go over some options in free agency. As I said, Remmers, Taylor Moton and Trent Williams, they're both high money free agents. The giants are not going to get them. Moton maybe, but again, Ty Naseki, he's 36 years old, but he's a veteran tackle. So I think he does play a little bit better still at his age. Um, I think he was last with the Buffalo bills. I want to say he was a starter when Cody Ford was out. Alejandro Villanueva from the Steelers. High price free agent left tackle, not going to happen. Jason Peters, maybe, but you only see him play left tackle, and that's not really what you need when you're not sure about Matt Parrott. Uh, Matt Filer, I definitely would not be against it. He plays left guard a little bit. He plays right tackle a little bit. You sign him like a $4 million deal on a one-year contract. Very good, in my opinion. Joe Haig, same thing. He played with the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kendall Lamb from the Cleveland Browns played well. When Jack Conklin or Jedrick Wills, I forget which one was out. I think it was Conklin, I want to say. Daryl Williams from the Bills played very well, and a lot of people are looking at that on uh, free agency. Now you take a look at the draft. Rashawn Slater in round one. I, I'm not feeling it, and I wouldn't be against it, but that's not what you need in round one. If he falls to you, I mean, the Bengals could take him. There could be other teams that take him, but it's just not what the Giants should, I think, prioritize, and I know best pick, best player available when they get to you. But I just think that you could still survive with what you have either in a free agent position or maybe later in the draft where you select a developmental project just as depth. So I don't think that Rashawn Slater, again, it's not that he's a bad offensive lineman. He's one of the best tackles in the draft. I just don't think it's right for the Giants. Um, Other offensive tackles in the later rounds from like three to seven, uh, Jackson Carmen out of Clemson, Thayer Munford out of Ohio State, Stone Forsyth out of Florida, Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa. 
Jake Curhan out of California, Alaric Jackson out of Iowa, and Brady Christensen out of BYU. Um, where do you think, and I don't know if you've been watching the free agent market in terms of tackles, but any of the uh, tackles in the draft free agency catch your eye? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, actually, I, I I haven't looked too into it, but I look I did a good amount of research when it came to free agent tackles. One guy was Williams from Buffalo. I think that was a Dave uh, guy, Dave Gettleman drafted, I believe, or he had some type of connection with Dave Gettleman. But he did watching Bills games. He played really well. He, well, he played good enough to be a, a good tackle in the NFL. And I think if we could get him, he would be a compliment to Andrew Thomas on either side, whichever we, we decided to put them. I do I do believe if that if we did end up signing him, that would make Matt Pert a good rotational piece. You know, I think Matt Pert's like six seven with great arm length. So I think him at a rotational piece would be excellent for our development. In the draft, I think I I kind of there's guys, there's specific guys like different positions that I want to go one through three, but there was a couple guys that think the Patriots got an O-lineman uh, in like round six. The Steelers got a guy in like round four. So I, I do believe it's not as common, but you can find good tackles in round four to seven. It's not impossible. Dave Gettleman just has to be good at drafting them. And he has to, I mean, he's he's been he's been a hit or miss, hit or miss type of guy when it comes to drafting. He's hit sometimes and he's missed on guys. I do believe he's, he's a good drafter. That is one th- good thing about him. So I do, I do believe if he sees a guy in the draft, he'll take him. Rashawn Slater, now, I think with him being 6'3", I think people are going to overlook him a bit. Like, he's still a very talented player. But like you said, I, I agree with you on that one. I don't think you go there at 11. If it did so happen that we ended up trading back, I do I, – any, any, if he failed to us, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it. I would actually root for it because if we did my two guys for trading back is Bateman and him. So if that did happen, I would actually be in love with that because that's the dream scenario always when you can get more picks and then still get the guy you want. So here's some questions regarding the tackle position. I'm going to lay out my plan and what I would do in that situation. So questions. You got to make a decision, not necessarily a question, but something you have to figure out. Make a decision on Matt Parrott. Where are you with him? And you as just saying as a coaching staff, you know, the giants, they have to figure out if they'll need a higher priority offensive tackle or just a backup tackle. If they re-sign Cameron Fleming, that means two things or could mean two things. Either Matt Parrott is not ready in their mind or Cameron Fleming impressed them enough to be the swing tackle. Now we don't know if, you know, Cameron Fleming played well for them. We don't know if they think that Matt Perrick is going to be the starter going into next year. I personally don't think he will. Could he? I wouldn't be mad about it. Just as long as he's coached well, we have a preseason, and he doesn't hit a sophomore slump. I mean, you're going to have that anyway, but, you know, still. So you have to see where you are with him, and that's definitely a decision for the Giants to make. Uh, You need to make a decision on tackle, free agency, or draft. Free agency, also depending on who you select and from free agency, whether it's going to be a high contract, probably not, um, or like one of them low-risk minimum veteran deals, that will probably tell you that um, they'll start 
or rotate them on the right side or possibly use them as a swing tackle. So there's a lot of questions in the air right now. And veteran backup tackle or drafted developmental player? Another one for the Giants to figure out. For veteran backup, you could go Remmers. You could go Fleming again. You could go any of the other guys. But if you want to go developmental player, go from go from three to six in the rounds. Personally, I don't think the Giants are in as bad of a position at tackle as they were last year before the draft because you saw Andrew Thomas, then Matt Parrott, then Shane Lemieux. You know, Dave Gettleman got depth on the offensive line. So I don't think that the Giants are dead at that position. I wouldn't mind if they took a late-round tackle once again, but, you know, you have to see where you are with Matt Pear and you have to judge the free agent class really well. And also you have to keep in mind, just as a general footnote, which players opted out last year. So um, here's my plan on how I would, on how I would do things. I would let Cam Fleming walk. Um, his play didn't necessarily entice me last year. Penalties again, it's not just, oh, you know, look at the stat sheet, six sacks, 35 pressures. He had like how many holding penalties, false star penalties. You know, a veteran shouldn't be making these mistakes. And I get it. You know, the whole offensive line was bad. We gave up like the third most sacks in the NFL, but still no excuse. Especially when you're playing on a Joe Judge team that really doesn't allow penalties. I mean, no team allows penalties, but, you know, Joe Judge comes from the Belichick tree and they don't allow penalties. They punish for penalties. I would sign Joe Haig or some of them low-risk, high-reward backup offensive tackles. Uh, as I said, coming from Super Bowl uh, 55 winners, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think that is generally a good spot to look. Joe Haig also was with the Colts, so he was with another good old line. If Daigle Yuma would have stayed, you know that would have been familiarity because 2018 he was with the Annapolis Colts. So I would sign him or any of the low-risk high reward, long, uh, short-term contract, free agents at tackle. And if you don't do that, go in the draft, address the needs first, then go in the later rounds and say, okay, let's select this guy. And then see where Matt Parrott is in terms of where he's playing. Because you got to do a pre-evaluation and a post-free agency draft evaluation, in my opinion. Because when you do the post-evaluation, you have to see how he plays in the preseason. Is he ready to be starting? Are you going to rotate offensive linemen? So I think that's definitely a question that the Giants have to answer on both sides, the pre-free agency, the pre-draft, and the post-draft post-free agency. So I want to know your thoughts on that. And, you know, again, I know I've been asking a lot, but what are your just thoughts on that general situation? Uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I know I said four to seven, but you did it. Three to six is a, is a great spot. I know the draft, you can never really tell where people are going to go. But I would even I would even say, like, if, if somebody like Alex Leatherwood, if he slipped to 43, I wouldn't be opposed to taking him there if he did or if we end up trading back and got a higher second round or something like that. But I, don't, I do think, like you said, you mentioned Haig, you do, you do try and attack it. Like you make it one of the things you go for in free agency, especially if you have the mindset that you're going to go through rotational offensive linemen. You definitely have to have the mentality that you want to pick somebody up when it comes to free agency. One of the lower end, higher ceiling type of guys. I mean, they're not always easy to find, but if you can hit on one of them, then that makes your life a whole lot easier. But if you decide, okay, there's nobody here, 
that I want to get in free agency, then you have you. It's a must that you have to draft at least one to two offensive linemen over the course of the over the course of the draft because there aren't for sure tackles or for sure guards that we have on this team that are going to stay long term or that are going to answer the problems that we have on the offensive line. Regarding that, we don't know how Shane Lemieux is going to look going into the next season. He struggled tremendously in the last eight to nine games. Um, also to know, Will Hernandez, is he falling out of favor with the coaching staff? Is he going to get cut? Because I know they save about $2 million with his cap cut. Kevin Zeitler, is he going to get cut? So I think the Giants definitely have to go out in either free agency or the draft with the guard position as well. But I think draft is more, you know, I think it's a better option because you have, it's kind of uneven in the free agent market from what I saw. You got upper guys like Joe Tooney and Brennan Scherf who are going to want that, you know, big money contracts. Like maybe the Jets will offer, maybe the Washington football team, maybe those O-line needy teams will offer. Giants are not there. Giants do not need a guard that much. And if they wanted one of them too, I said, I would say keep Kevin Zeitler because why would you cut him just to sign another high paid offensive guard? And then you go into the backup offensive guards who aren't really that good. I don't remember a couple of their names, but they just didn't impress me as, oh, you could sign this guy as a backup. Go to the draft and get one. So let's go to the center position. Current centers on the roster, you have Jonathan Harrison from the Jets, was on the Colts practice squad a little bit. Actually, no, played for the Colts before he went to the Jets and was on the Bills practice squad all season. Did not get activated once, but he was protected. Nick Gates this season gave up no sacks but 16 pressures. Some context to that. Over the first five games, he gave up uh, eight pressures. Then throughout the entire season from week six, 17, Gave up eight total pressures, never gave up a sack, which is good compared to John Halapio the prior season. So he may not be that all-pro center that the Giants fans are looking for, but he is the solid center. He's the nasty guy on the offensive line. He's going to defend your quarterback. You saw that with Aaron Donald and Jalen Smith. And then you have Spencer Pulley, the backup center. And obviously we'll get to the questions later, but Spencer Pulley you can cut for cap money. Now there's different sites debating each other uh, like – spot track and over the cap saying, Oh, he's on a contract. He's not on a contract. He's on a contract. They signed him to a three-year extension after 2018. So 2019, 2020, and 2021, I think it was like $9 million or something like that. Some related to that. So in terms of draft options, I didn't put free agency down because I don't think that the giants are going to go that route, nor should they. Um, If you want to do center, go in the draft in the later rounds. Again, Joe Skullthorpe out of NC state, Derek Kirksetter out of Texas, Drake Jackson out of Kentucky, and Doug Kramer from Illinois. And you can also get an undrafted free agent if you like, whatever, you know, is fits best for you. But I don't think that the Giants should go in the draft because I don't think it's that needy of a position. Again, um, some questions to answer. Do they move Nick Gates to guard if Kevin Zeitler is cut? I honestly don't think that. I don't think that. I don't have that mentality because – If he's good at center, why are we moving him around the offensive line? We're not playing musical chairs. You know, keep him at the center position. Keep him snapping the ball. And as I said, you know, maybe find another guard. Maybe find another center just to back him up or whatever. Should the Giants Giants cut Spencer Pulley for cap space? Obviously, I think they should. I'm giving you a little hint to my plan. And do the Giants draft a late-round center or 
or draft an undrafted free agent. So what are your thoughts on that? How would you approach it? Uh, yeah, I, I, like you said, you hinted it, but I do agree. Spencer Pulley should be on his way out. We should cut him. But a guy you didn't mention who I think there was, there's two guys actually who I think they may fall to the third round could be lower end second round guys, but guys like Ben Cleveland and Creed Humphrey, I know Ben Cleveland was a guard and Creed Humphrey was a center, but Nick Gates showed, he showed to me at least that he had, he has everything you want in a hog mind. Like you said, he only gave eight pressures from week six to 17. So he showed improvement, especially this was his first year as a center. He showed me that he can be, I'm not going to say all pro center, but I think he can be the center that solidifies it for us for a good amount of time. He has the, he, he has everything you want in him. He has the angry, angry attitude that you want. You saw him, I think it was in the Cowboys game. He was in everybody's face. And uh, the part that I like about him is he just all, he's always looking to hit somebody, even when the plays not when, whenever he has nobody in front of him, he'll go pancake somebody else. He'll always be in the second level. He's just everything you want in a center. And like you said, we don't want to play musical chairs. Joe Judge mentioned in his press conference, I think when he first started, we're going to, he said, we're going to find guys and we're not going to move them around. We're going to find what they do good and let them do that. Nick Gates showed you that he can do good at the center position. So you don't move him anywhere else. You let him stay there and keep working at that and get better and better and better as you go along. Like I mentioned, uh, like I said, Ben Cleveland and Creed Humphrey, those, those two guys, like Ben Cleveland, I know, played guards. So I wouldn't mind him if, especially if we could fall, if he fell to us in the fourth round, I wouldn't mind that. But if Creed Humphrey was there in the later rounds, I, I don't think moving him to guard would be that much of a problem because I know center and guard is, it's still a change, but it's not too big of a change. So I think if we were able to get him lower, later in the third, maybe even fourth round, I, th- I still think you draft the O-lineman, but I think, in my opinion, you go one tackle, one guard, just to add more to the rotational piece. I think you can restructure Zeitler's contract, and especially he's the veteran, so I think him with him being the veteran, he still can teach these younger guys, like guys who like Nick Gates, who's still younger, Shane Lemieux, Will Hernandez, who might be on his way out, who knows, and even when you draft people. So it's, it's all what Dave Gettleman wants to do, is if he still likes Will Hernandez, so I think what he does with Will Hernandez or how he goes about that situation will tell a lot for the future. I like what you brought up about always wanting to hit somebody. That was Nick Gates this season. And what you need is a center. And most of the time, it's going to be a four-man rush. So you're not going to get a guy that's just right across from you and he's going to rush you. No, he's going to rush the left guard. And then the other guy is going to rush the right guard. What we saw from Nick Gates – As you said, he's always wanting to hit somebody. If he's got nobody in front of him, it's not a blitz. He's going to push and help the left guard. Same thing with the right guard. And, you know, just an off-topic thing, Kevin Zeitler struggled with stunts. Cameron Fleming, you know, both of them struggled with handling stunts, which was a problem. But on a more positive topic, Nick Gates has awareness. That's what you need when you have a center. You know, if it's a four-man rush, just like, as I said, how many seconds ago? You got to go out and hit the guy next to you, help your veteran guard, help your rookie guard, whatever. Just help the guy next to you and, you know, solidify the pass protection. John Halapio the year before, he didn't have awareness as a center. And we get it. You know, John Halapio was coming off injury. But at the same time, 
you know, people were saying, oh, it's the first time he played center in, you know, 2018, 2019, whatever. No, it was not the first time he played center. He played center in the 2017 preseason, which is something I didn't know till like late last year. And I was watching the Steelers Giants game over again. I'm like, John Halapio played center before. I don't know what people are talking about. So Nick Gates definitely has the awareness. And it shouldn't be one of those things. And I say this all the time with Will Hernandez. If you have an average 16-game starter like Hernandez or Gates and you want an all-pro, I don't think that's where you want to be in a mindset if you're building a football team. And I get it. Different coaching staffs, different you know mindsets. Will Hernandez, Joe Judge, because Hernandez was drafted with the Shermer coaching staff. My point is, why would you replace him when he's average and he gives you 16 games. Cause I'd rather have that in my opinion, than a left guard, you draft him high. He plays six games a year and plays solid, but again, he's injury prone or draft a total busted left guard. And I'm not calling Lemieux that by any means, but getting rid of Hernandez again, cap for cap again, for cap money seems a little bit odd because I don't think the giants would make that move, but just getting rid of him and then, trying to replace him just doesn't make a lot of sense, at least to my mindset. And here's my plan to go about the center position. Obviously, as I said before, cut Spencer Pulley. I want to give Jonathan Harrison a chance at the backup center role. Obviously, you'll have the chance with the backup free agents and the undrafted free agents, whatever. You'll have a chance to have at least three centers on the roster, team one, team two, team three. Nick Gates is going to be that one. Jonathan Harrison likely that two. And he could be a rotational piece on the offensive line because he just does not play center. You know, he'll play guard on occasion. But again, center is his best position. He's a good run blocker, pass blocker as well. Um, sign a undrafted free agent to compete with Harrison. We have, I think, six, seven picks this year, somewhere in that range. I want to focus on the needs and the talent. If you have a center fall to you, like Creed Humphrey or whatever, um, Definitely select one, but also keep and note the other options. So that's why I would sign an undrafted free agent. And then you have Nick Gates. Leave him where he is. Don't rotate him guard center because that just messes up the whole mindset, the whole chemistry of the offensive line. If you keep rotating guys like Nick Gates from position to position, the unit's not going to know how to play with each other in that mindset and, you know, at the positions because it's going to be musical chairs, as we said multiple times. So leave him at center, you draft a guard, or you draft a center to play guard. That's what the Saints did. They drafted Eric McCoy in 2019. In 2020, they drafted Cesar Ruiz. Everyone thought that he was, you know, always oh, a center. Well, he played right guard for most of the year after they cut Larry Wofford. So your final thoughts on the center position, you know, basically final thoughts, how would you go about it? Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, I think you keep Nick Gates there. And I think uh, underrated thing that people don't really focus on that is a big part of why I don't like moving the O-line around is that the O-line has just as much chemistry as every other position as the whole team does. But most importantly, they have it the most because if Andrew Thomas can rely on Will Hernandez and Will Hernandez can rely on Nick Gates and they all can trust each other to get their block, then it makes, it makes life easier for all three of them. So moving them around, messes up that trust because then maybe Andrew Thomas won't trust that somebody won't get his block toward the inside or something like that. So I just think you, you let everybody play where they are. You let them stay where they are. Don't do the rotational things. I think we found our guy at center, but like I, I do believe I actually like the undrafted free agent idea 
because you might find a hit. That there's always, I think Tony Romo was like half the league's undrafted free agents. So you, you will be able to hit on one. So hopefully it's it's on the center position. He can compete with uh, the jet center that we picked up or if we can see how he works at guard, but you, you definitely bring in depth at the uh, O-lineman position. Speaking of which, Nick Gates is an undrafted free agent. So that serves our point pretty well. 2018, he was injured most of the preseason and stayed on the roster, signed to a futures contract. So that's why I really don't, um, when I look at futures contracts, everybody says, oh, they're not going to make the roster. Well, you never know. Um, that's something I learned. 2019, obviously coming back on that futures contract, played through mini camps, whatever. 2019 became a backup tackle, backup guard, played pretty well in the spots for Zeitler and Remmers. In 2020, he's now our starting center, all 16 games. And uh, that's the uh, the path of the NFL life for an average undrafted free agent. I mean, obviously a lot of players don't get those chances, but when you get the chance in the preseason or whatever, you have to impress. And Nick Gates obviously impressed the Giants coaching staff, both of them. So I think that's very, uh, very important to note there. That is the end of the episode of uh, this episode of the Big Loon Bronx podcast, episode number 86. If you guys haven't already, subscribe to Keith's channel, All Things Giants. Starting out Giants content creator, joining the club, joining Giants Twitter. Also at, I think, All Things Giants as well. I'll put the uh, link when this premieres and also put the link when I'm editing out the video. So, Keith, thank you for coming on. Thank you guys for watching. Also, you can check out his articles at uncutsn.com for Uncut Sports News. Keith, thanks for coming on. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you on Friday.